we return with the final part of the postmortem of Kune Foods. Are they the poster child of who wields power in the tech scene? We also look at the racial undertones in fundraising in African startups. That and more in this episode. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse and everything business in Africa. I am Ruth Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at The K Financial, and you can find me at Ruth Dong. Research done by Victoria Ventures, a company supporting early stage companies obtain seed funding from angel investors shows. Expat founders in Kenya got the lion's share of funds raised, with local founders getting a paltry 6% of the total. In 2019, startups had raised more than $1 million, raised a total of $140 million. The companies in this fundraising category were 17, representing 19% of the total startups in Africa. Out of these companies, 11, that is 65%, were founded by experts, and only one was a locally founded startup. In the final part of the postmortem of Kuna Foods, we examine the racial connotations in funding startups in Africa. Now, for many Kenyans on Twitter, Kuna Foods was the poster child for who wields power in Africa's tech scene. And that person is not the African founder. Sud Haider, co-founder at Chop Chop Go and tech editor at Mwango Capital, returns to answer the tough question. Is capital tribal? Does it have a race preference? Capital is tribal, however we look at it. You know, whether you're going to be raising money from China, you're raising money from the US, you're raising money from Europe, you're raising money even uh, from Africa, certain African communities. Like capital has its people and people will trust others more than uh, they trust other people. But in, in the case of, of Kune and in the case of Robin, is Robin had a network, right? He's not a first-time entrepreneur, so he's been doing this for quite some time. Young guy. Uh, you know, super ambitious, uh, probably knows quite a bit, and I'm sure he is definitely smart. Uh, but he had a network, right? He had a network of people that he was able to unlock and to try and build value. He told them a story. Uh, the market proved um, otherwise. Kenya in particular does have this uh, problem, and there is a narrative around privilege and you know probably white privilege that it's easier for someone coming in from outside Kenya especially if you're Caucasian uh, to raise ridiculous amounts of money and whatnot privilege is is there in the world and we, we, we can't discount that there is this issue but is it is it the founders is it so it's, is it the founders problem or is it an ecosystem problem or are there structural issues within the ecosystem that ideally need to be fixed now a country like Kenya has enough local money, uh, and the same case will apply to, to Nigeria. There's enough local money to fund startups. Um, I'd assume even in the case of Uganda, probably there is a little bit of local money to be able to go into startups. But one, these are high, very risky investments. So most um, native uh, financiers Will, will desist, either because they don't really understand the asset class, or it's like ridiculously risky. So someone will come in and say, no, uh, for generation to generation, we've been buying land. That is what we like to invest in, and that's what we're comfortable with. So part of it is like, you know, uh, startups are, are novel asset classes, then there hasn't been enough education being made locally to be able to convince people otherwise. Second is... There's just so much more foreign money that is dedicated to this asset class. So your venture capital funds. I mean, if you're to compare African venture capital funds to uh, uh, to 
non-African venture capital funds, especially European and American, and American for that, because Americans are the ones who are putting in quite a bit of, have been putting in quite a bit of money to, uh, to in, in Africa, is you're being out, um, outmatched you know, by at least a factor of 100. There are probably more than 100, like for every African venture capital fund, there's 100 more out there. So I think there's structural issues that we need to fix within, within Africa. Yes, there is a problem, but the bigger problem is the structural issues. And it's, it's not entirely a race thing. These are systemic issues that happens to give certain people privilege. And this is there. These are there in, 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 in other industries as well. Uh, but now the local stakeholders, the local practitioners, policymakers in particular, need to figure out what is the best, what is the best balance. Because now uh, locking out uh, foreign founders in Kenya is also, I mean, I would argue against it because it locks out much needed uh, FDI into the country. So there has to be a balance that's that's kept, and I and I think I, I hope with time that the, you know these things are going to be they're, they're going to be addressed. But the case is different in in Nigeria. So in Nigeria, you don't have the problem of foreign founders. In Nigeria, what you have, the problem is just not enough locals are putting in enough money um, into this into the new economy and new businesses. But there's a lot of investments that's come, that are coming in from outside. And these investments are going into Nigerian founders. And the Nigerian founders also have a culture of supporting themselves, you know, within, with even small checks, $1,000, $5,000, but, you know, negligible uh, amounts in the greater scheme of things. But there is that place because once you have a lot of local participation, there is an incentive for local business development. So I think there's structural issues, structural issues in the case of Kenya. Um, and it's just because, it's the way the market has oriented itself and Kenya just has had this policy. Uh, I mean, Kenya is open for business and has been open for business for the last, uh, for the last 20 years. So as long as you're coming in with legitimate capital, doesn't matter that if you're a foreigner, there are no capital controls and you know, the market is just orienting itself and Kenya has been open to, to get foreigners. And it is, uh, so the argument, you know, as much as people would argue fine, is there is the issue of white privilege. There is an issue of, I wouldn't say racism per se, uh, but it's also a function of the country being open to, uh, to foreigners to come in and set up businesses. Very few places uh, in Africa are as open as Kenya. That was Sud Haider, co-founder at Chap Chap Go and tech editor at Mwango Capital. And a quick review of the other stories making it into the podcast. The S&P Global Egypt PMI dropped to 45.2% in June of 2022 from 47 in May. This is the 19th straight month of a drop in private sector and the steepest pace in two years amid the strongest deterioration in economic conditions since quarter two of 2020. Both output and new orders fell the most since quarter two of 2020 linked to the rising inflation and tightening monetary policy. Also, buying levels dropped at the fastest rate since April of 2020, while staffing capacity was also lowered, albeit at a modest pace that was the slowest recorded since March. On prices, input cost inflation climbed to a near four-year high due to geopolitical headwinds, surging transport cost, a further devaluation of the pound against the US dollar, and the fastest pace for eight months in staff wages subsequently. 
output charges were raised at a strongest rate since February of 2017. Lastly, sentiment was at a five-month high in hopes that activity will start to recover from its current slump. In Tunisia, the annual inflation rate quickened for the ninth straight month to 8.1% in June of 2022 from 7.8% in the prior month. It's the highest reading since October of 1991, underpinned by prices of alcoholic beverages and tobacco, clothing and footwear, food and non-alcoholic beverages, furnishings and education. On a monthly basis, consumer prices were up 0.7%, down slightly from 0.9% increase in the prior month. Somalia has granted banking licenses to two foreign institutions opening the country to international investment for the first time in decades. The Egyptian bank, Bank Mizir, and the Turkish bank, Zirat Katilim, thus become the first foreign banks to be allowed to operate in Somalia. The governor of the Central Bank of Somalia, Abdiraham Mohamed Abdullahi, says that the banks will add value to the development of Somalia's financial sector and contribute to the growth of the economy. The announcement of the licensing of foreign banks comes just six months after the announcing of the licensing of foreign banks comes just six weeks after President Hassan Sheikh Mohammed took office following elections and a long political crisis. President Mohammed has pledged to improve the economic situation and also provide basic services to the population. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K Financial. If you have any suggestions or you just want to check out more stories, visit our website, that is thekfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K Financial. And you can find me at With the Dawn.